If you have your Bible, we're in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 14. God has given us uh, 10 commandments, as you know, and we're finding that whenever God says a negative thing, he has a very positive reason behind it. He's trying to help us. He's trying to protect us. He doesn't want to cause us pain. In fact, he wants to keep us protected from pain. Exodus 20:14, the seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. Nothing destroys, as you know, a family faster than adultery. I want to say up front, if the mere mention of the word adultery causes all kinds of uh, pain for you, memories, uh, things that have happened in your life, shame, then I want to say to you right up front here that the purpose of today's sermon is not to resurrect the past. If you have confessed a sin to God, he has forgiven you. And you know what? The great thing that God can do that we can't do, he forgets. He forgives and then he forgets. And that, of course, is what uh, we need to do. If we have uh, been forgiven of whatever it might be, uh, then we need to move on and look forward. Today, we're going to focus on the future. Uh, God is no killjoy. You remember it was God that invented sex. Uh, He was the one that uh, started all that. All of God's gifts have limitations on them. God has given us the gift of water. Water's a great thing. We can't live without water. But if you get too much water, you'll drown. There's some limitations. You know, fire is a great thing. We can uh, build a a fire, cook some things on it. Uh, We can do this. We can do that with fire. But if we get too much fire, uh, then we burn up. Uh, God says that he has given us a drive in our bodies called sex. Properly controlled and expressed within a marriage, it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But outside of marriage, it is very destructive and detrimental to you as a human being. Notice that God wants us to use sex to build a marriage, not to destroy a marriage. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, marriage should be honored by everyone and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all sexual immorality. In today's world, there are a lot of permissive values. Uh, I don't have to tell you that. If you watch TV, if you go to the movies, if you listen to some of the radio stations, you already know that. We have all kinds of stuff. We have an entertainment world that is uh, obsessed with sex. Uh, They use it to sell everything from cars to bananas. I mean, it's just everywhere. Uh, You don't stand much of a chance of remaining pure in your life before the Lord unless you establish some guidelines uh, for your life. Reader's Digest did a comprehensive survey a few years back that said that uh, 50% of the men in America and 35% of the women in America have already uh, committed adultery. This is happening, of course, even among Christian people. 
what causes affairs? I want to give you four things. Today, this might be a good day to write stuff down. Uh, what causes affairs? I've got four things. The Bible says, it, and it's very clear, uh, what God thinks about an adulterous uh, affair. Uh, they are caused uh, by various reasons. Number one, unmet needs. Now, if a husband or wife thinks that their needs are not being met at their house, uh, then they're a prime candidate uh, for an affair. I must remind you that the needs of women and the needs of men are very, very different. They're not the same. They're as different as night and day. I believe couples get into trouble when they don't understand the needs of their husband or the needs of their wife. Number two is unresolved conflicts. If there's a war in the home, it usually grows toward a coldness of heart. You know, people might still live in the same uh, house, but uh, they don't talk to each other. They don't communicate in any kind of loving way. Uh, they're just both there. I have found that most big arguments in the home started out as little disagreements that were never ironed out. And so those have festered and grown and, and uh, nothing was ever settled. Let me urge you to talk out even the smallest disagreements that you might have. Third, unfulfilled expectations. Most couples come into marriage with uh, unrealistic expectations. Uh, young ladies think that the guy is going to be everything that was perfect about their father. They forget, of course, the uh, things that weren't exactly perfect about their father. A lot of men come into a relationship thinking that they are marrying the princess of their dreams. They just know that they have married the Madonna of their fantasies. Uh, you know what, the more you think about that, the more you realize that that gal is trash, and uh, you wouldn't want her to be the mother of your children. So, you know, that's not good. Well, fourth, undeveloped self-worth. The majority of our problems lie in the fact that we look to the wrong place for our self-worth. We listen to too many commercials. There's not a beer on this earth that will make you into something that you're not, other than drunk. It will make you that. Uh, God wants uh, the best to come out of your life. The only way that that's going to happen is to let God work in and through uh, your life uh, so that we can live up to what he has in mind for us, which is an abundant life. He came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. He wants us to have a great and wonderful life. Okay, the second list this morning. I've got six steps to um, affair-proofing your marriage. Uh, so you might want to write these down. Uh, make a commitment to God's standards. Uh, I'm 
encouraging you to say to yourself, uh, maybe during the message or at some point uh, today, uh, to make a commitment to God that you're going to live by his standards and not by the standards of our secularistic society. Uh, That means you agree with God about what he says about marriage. God's standard has never changed. The Bible says sex is for marriage only. Not before marriage, not outside of marriage. Real clear on that. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a person keep his way pure? By living according to your word. It doesn't say by living according to popular opinion. It doesn't say that. You know, a lot of people get up every morning and they want to adjust their lives to whatever's going on, wherever they might be. That's what they do. They are like chameleons. They adjust to wherever they are. And our society, of course, is uh, trumpeting all the wrong things. So they, you know, think, well, that's, that's where I need to be. That's what's going on. That's what I need to be. Uh, God's word is very clear that adultery is never an option and should not be under any circumstance. There's no justification. I don't care what your background is. Over the years, I've been pastoring now 51 years. You can imagine all the things that I've heard. Uh, People come in and they say, well, you know, I had a tough background. And they list 47 things that were wrong with their background. And they say, you know, that's the reason that I'm doing this. Well, that's not the reason. The reason is because you want to. That's the reason. Uh, You know, some people say, you know, I had a lot of trouble when I was a kid. People abused me. People did this. People did that. On and on and on. Well, now you're grown up. And, you know, there comes a time when you need to put on big boy pants and uh, be a man, be a woman, be a lady as we stand before the Lord. Joseph in the Old Testament was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He had every reason in the world to give in to that temptation. He could have said, you know, I'm young, I'm virile, I'm single, I'm in a foreign country. Uh, It's acceptable here in this country to uh, have adulterous affairs. Uh, She wants to have adultery. Uh, My desires, I want to do this. I've been abused. My mother died when I was real young. My father was overindulgent. My brothers hated me and sold me into slavery. I had a terrible family life. I was deprived of love. He could have said, after all of that, he could have said, I just want somebody to say that they love me. But instead, you know what he said? He said, I will not sin against my God. That's what he said. After all those factors, all those factors are true, incidentally. Uh, After all of that, he said, I will not sin against my God. The Bible says that when he was tempted, he turned and ran. Now, have you seen anybody uh, doing that? (laughs) Have you ever seen anybody turn and run one time? Have you ever seen that? You know, it's a real good suggestion. And uh, maybe that's something we ought to think about. Some of 
some people say, my husband, my wife, they're just not meeting my needs. Proverbs 5.15 says, be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. The first prevention is that you would publicly affirm God's standard in your life. You need to say to your mate, I have decided that by God's grace and God's strength, I'm going to be true to you and you alone all my life. Now that's a starting point. Then you need to affirm the same thing with your family. Let them know where you stand. Then at your workplace, you need to let them know what you think, where you stand. So there'll be no question about where you stand on this issue. You need to say to those that you work with that you tend to, uh, you intend to stay faithful to your spouse. I, I know that uh, everybody but visitors here today knows that I am really, really in love with my wife. Uh, there's no question about that. We have had 21 wonderful years uh, together. It's been just great. Like any couple, there have been times when we've had uh, little disagreements when she was wrong about some little thing. <laughs> Just wanted to see if you were awake. <laughs> but there's not been anything that has come into our marriage that has caused me to want to be unfaithful to her. All right, number two, magnify the consequences. Uh, just remind yourself of the devastation and destruction that is caused by sexual sin. Proverbs 6.32 says, But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Destroys himself. That's strong. Nothing damages emotions like uh, sexual sin. The shame doesn't seem to go away. A sense of loss to everyone involved is enormous. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor people have come to me and said, I wish I could turn the clock back and go back to that day when I did the wrong thing. I wish I could go back there and, and change that. Uh, people have said many times, I wish I could erase that, just get a big eraser and just erase that. Wished I could start over after I erased uh, that particular thing. Proverbs 6.26 says, Adultery will cost a man all that he has. You remember Esau? He was a guy in the Old Testament. And he got hungry. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He was not a good businessman. <laughs> he was an idiot. Uh, he didn't, he didn't think that through at all. Uh, I know people today that are willing to throw their life away, their reputation away, their relationship with their husband or wife, their children, their grandchildren, throw it all away for 10 minutes of pleasure. You say, well, why in the world would anybody do that? Well, millions and millions of people in America are doing that every day. And, uh, you know, you don't understand it, but uh, that's going on. I want to say to you that the cost of maintaining, restoring, repairing your marriage 
to make it work may seem high, but adultery is ten times higher than that. It just doesn't pay in the long run. By God's grace, I intend to be faithful to my wife for as long as I live. Why? Because, number one, I love Jesus. Uh, I owe my life to him. He died for me. He is my salvation. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I love my wife. The thought of hurting her is just almost beyond comprehension for me. I wouldn't do anything to hurt her. I fear the judgment of God as well. I think it's a healthy fear that we all ought to have. You reap what you sow. One day, if you break this commandment, you're going to have to stand before God and explain to him just why you did that. And whatever your reason is, it isn't going to be good. It isn't going to be good enough. Don't kid yourself. Uh, You're not going to get away with it. I know there are people who say, well, God wants me to be happy. He does want you to be happy. That's why he gave you this commandment. That's the point of it. Uh, He knows better than you do about these issues. Adultery is ultimately selfishness. It's not love. It's saying, I'm going to put my needs ahead of what I think is right, ahead of everything else, ahead of what God says, ahead of what my husband or my wife might think about it, ahead of what it will do to my family, my kids, my grandkids, ahead of anything else. It's basically saying, forget the world. I'm going to do what I want to do. That selfishness, that is not love. Number three, maintain your marriage. You should maintain your marriage Because a growing relationship to your spouse will reduce the pull of an adulterous relationship. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. What kind of needs are we talking about? Well, uh, Dr. Willard Harley is a Christian counselor in Minnesota. He has written a book called His Needs, Her Needs. He has identified through thousands of interviews uh, what it is that uh, are the top five needs of men and the top five needs of women. Uh, I'd like to tell you those. And I want you to listen to them and see if they match up in any way. The top five needs of most men are, now this is all men, Uh, Number one, sexual fulfillment. Number two, recreational companionship. Number three, an attractive spouse. Number four, domestic support. Number five, admiration. Okay, the top five needs of most women. Number one, affection. Number two, conversation. I do not know why God has made every woman with a deep need to tell you every detail (laughs) of what has happened during her day. But God made them that way, and uh, that's it. we got to accept that and uh, work with it. 
Number three, honesty and openness. Number four, financial support. Number five, a family commitment. Do you see any similarity in those lists? No, no, there's not. There's none. It's no wonder that we have such trouble adjusting to marriage. You know, some people think that they're going to adjust everything in about a month. Wrong. Uh, Takes longer than that. Men come into marriage thinking that they have married someone that thinks and feels just like they do. Men think that. Uh, and so they set about trying to meet the needs that they have. And they get very frustrated when she does not respond in the same way that he does. Most women come into marriage thinking they have married somebody a lot like they are. They have a lot of things in common. They both like to travel, they both like to go dancing, they both like blue bloods on TV, they, uh, you know, they, they like the same things. So they think all their needs are the same. They can't understand it when he does not respond in the same way. I think the solution to this difficulty that we have is that we need to get real serious about finding out what the needs of our mate might be. Find out. Uh, Get number one. Get number two. You know, get number three in your mind. And try as best you can, to the best of your ability, to meet those needs, even if they're not necessarily your needs. One of the biggest problem areas of marriage is the physical relationship. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time. The Bible says that sex is a spiritual responsibility in marriage. To deny or restrict each other is to ask for trouble. A scientific survey was done uh, to discover the days that men most like to make love. They discovered that it was days that start with a T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow... Tatterday and Tunday. <laughs> now you can laugh if you want to. But when you committed your life before a pastor or a justice of the peace or a judge or whoever it was, you were committing yourself to an exclusive relationship. You were saying to that man, that woman that you married, I am looking to you. To meet these five important needs in my life. Unfortunately, many men, many women feel cheated. They feel like after being married for a while, they've gotten a raw deal. Uh, It all centers on the fact that their needs are so different. Uh, Well, uh, you know, you've got to work together. You've got to love the other person so much that you want to do exactly what he needs, she needs. And make it just an absolutely wonderful marriage. Number four, manage your mind. How do affairs develop? People don't just fall into immorality. There isn't such a thing as a one-night stand. You say, oh, yes, there is. No, there's not. It, It might seem that way, but it doesn't happen that way. There is a process that takes place. Step one is accepting sinful thoughts in your mind. 
The battle for any temptation in your life begins in your mind. Uh, What you think about, eventually you will begin to feel. And what you begin to feel, you will eventually begin to do. The problem is that most Christians will not get serious about this in their minds. They wonder what the big deal is. Why does the preacher talk about that so much? What is the deal? I can handle anything. Uh, Why does he keep going over that? Well, the battle begins in our mind. If you think about positive, good, kind, loving things, that's the way you're going to act. If you think about dirty, lustful, trashy thoughts, then that's the kind of person that you're going to become. It's impossible not to become what you have in your mind. Step two is emotional, non-physical involvement. To assume that all is well because there's no physical contact is just to fool yourself. By emotional involvement, I mean you look to someone else other than your spouse for the deep emotional needs that you have, that we all have, like comfort, understanding, support, sympathy. If you are looking to someone other than your spouse to meet those needs in your life, then you are having an emotional affair, which can lead you into a much worse affair. Unbelievers don't spend a lot of time there. They just move right into the physical. Christians camp there because they don't want to deal with the reality of what's really going on in their lives. Some of you are in that situation right now. Uh, Treat it like an unwanted plague. If you do not, it can lead to the next step. Step three is physical involvement. Uh, Once you cross the line of physical contact, the power of that is overwhelming. To try and break out of that uh, is uh, almost impossible. Uh, Step four is to rationalize the affair that you're having. Uh, We're great at deceiving ourselves. We are experts at pulling the wool down over our own eyes. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You can convince yourself that almost anything is okay uh, if you consider the circumstances. Uh, People say, well, the circumstances. That isn't what uh, Scripture says. All right, step five. Maintain a proper relationship. Studies have shown that most affairs occur between personal friends, co-workers. Because we deal with people every day of our life, uh, we have to uh, really maintain a proper relationship. Don't listen to the marital problems of somebody of the other sex. Uh, Women don't go fishing for compliments. Men, watch out uh, what you say to other women. Be aware of a sense of electricity that sometimes forms between two people. Avoid a prolonged stare. Avoid a lingering touch. Uh, All right, number six, the last one. Minimize the opportunity. If you don't want to get stung, then uh, stay away from the bees. Uh, that's That's the obvious thing. Don't place yourself in a position where you will be tempted. 
recognize the circumstances that turn you on, those things might cause you to weaken your standards. I know there are some of you uh, here this morning that are saying, uh, Pastor, we've been married uh, forever. We've been married since dirt. Uh, uh, Nothing like that could ever, ever possibly happen to me. Well, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That means that we can deceive ourselves rather easily. That means none of us are immune to what we're talking about today. We're all capable of anything given the right circumstances. So we put up guards around our lives. Malachi 2.15 says, guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with your wife. The workplace is a prime place for budding romances. Everybody looks their best. They smell their best. They're on their best behavior. Uh, You don't see them uh, at home with the rollers. Uh, Now let me close uh, this morning by talking about the pathway back to purity. Uh, If you have been unfaithful to your mate, uh, there's still hope. You can come to our Lord for a cleansing. There are three simple steps toward restoration. Adultery does not have to kill your marriage. Uh, number one, acknowledge the sin. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to confess it. You've got to ask for forgiveness for it. Uh, acknowledge the sin. Sex outside of marriage is unacceptable to God. Premarital sex is unacceptable to God. Now, if you are guilty of these, then this church is the place for you because we have a community of forgiven sinners here. Number two, end the relationship immediately. Three, avoid contact, any contact with that person from now on. Well, I hope uh, that if you'd like to uh, get something that maybe you didn't quite get. Uh, we have uh, tapes back there, and you can get them. Some, a lot of people in our church are sending uh, tapes to their children, their grandchildren, and uh, this might be one that uh, could be very, very helpful. Um, today, if you're in the house and uh, you have never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, In our church, uh, we always give a thing we call the invitation, where we invite people to come and to make a decision for him, to make him the master and Lord of their life, to say, yes, I do want to be a Christian. Lord, please forgive me of my sin. I place my faith and trust in you. That's the way you do it. There are some uh, here today that have been visiting with us for a good while, And you know that you need a church home. You know that you want to be in a place where the word of God is is taught, preached, believed. Uh, I'd invite you today to come and join with us and to serve with us and to help us as we're trying to expand the ministry uh, that the Lord would have us to be about. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If there's any decision that you'd like to make 
that would honor the Lord today. You just slip out, slip forward, and take a stand for him. Let's stand together as we sing.